0: Hello, I'm Keith Dent and welcome to Black Men Speak. When it comes to black men and mountaineering, you might recall the name of Matthew Henson because he was the first black man to set foot on the North Pole, a tremendous accomplishment that was highlighted in Stevie Wonder's song, Black Man, that was featured on the iconic album, Songs in the Key of Life, personally one of my top five albums of all time. But after that, No other name would probably come to mind. On the contrary, there have been a few black men that have been trailblazers in the sport. Men like Charles Crenshaw, the first black man to summit Denali, the highest peak in the United States. And then there's Cebucio Villani, the first black man to summit Mount Everest in May 26 of 2003. And guess what? He was from South Africa. There was even a team called Expedition Denali, a group of all-black climbers that ascended the highest mountain in the U.S., Mount McKinley, back in 2013. Well, our next guests are about to do something no one has ever done, lead an all-black team up Mount Everest. Their names are Philip Henderson and Dom Mullins. Philip is the leader of Full Circle Everest, in March 2022, he and Dom are planning to make history by climbing 29,032 feet to the top of Mount Everest. To put that in perspective, since the first person reached the summit, only 10 black people have ever gone that far. Today, Philip and Dom will talk about how they got connected. Why the expedition is so important to talk about.
1: So to me, I'm like, why would I go back to Everest? Why just just to try and summit? No, there's no reason for that. I'd go to another mountain. But I always said I'd go back for the right reason. I never knew mm-hmm. what that right like, reason would be. This has been in the running for years now, uh,
2: especially because our plans were dropped uh, because coronavirus uh, interrupted everything
0: and why the expedition is so important to talk about, not only to our community, but to the the future as well.
1: Where in our community, there's only, there's not that many of us, and so we don't really have, the. I don't feel like we really have the choice to say, no, we have to bring that out into the community and say, hey, no, you can do this too. I've done it, let me help you. So that's really, again, what Full Circle's about.
2: It's just incredible to, you know, to have taken one opportunity, taken one experience, and then go to the next thing. And that's one thing that I encourage people all the time is like, and that's a similar thing to what Phil was saying, is like, you don't know what something's going to be like, and you don't know if you'll like it until you try it.
0: Well, on that note, let's start the show. Damon, Phil, how are you guys doing today?
1: Blessings. good evening, good evening. Doing well, thank, thank you.
0: you. Oh, I'm glad you guys are here tonight. And um, I was just so captivated when I read read your story and saw all of the faces that were about to embark on this journey. When I told my wife about it, she she was hoping that she could enlist. Uh, and I was like, well, I think you really have to train for it. I would love to know about Full Circle Everest, Two things. One, how did you come up with the name, and what made you decide that you wanted to lead this project, Phil? So
1: yeah, full circle. The name I've, I've actually had the name for for quite a long time because it really is. It's about it's about giving back, and what I, I the way I, I look at it really is giving forward. So when I got in the industry, I realized that there there wasn't a lot of people like me, and it was hard to get people like me to get outside, even. But those who who may show interest, I was always willing to give them my hand and say, let's go. I'm gonna teach you what I know because I've been taught. And so that's really where the full circle came from. What made me wanna lead this expedition is, I mean, being in the right position for one. There's not a lot of black men who can be in that position and lead an expedition. I have a background in outdoor education and leadership. so that sets uh sets a tone for me as well and also sets the challenge in terms of my my career in 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 the outdoors. But um but really looking you know at the team, um, you know, when I met and, and it's funny because I was out of the country for a number of years, 2013 to 16, I was living in South America. And I was really kind of uh disconnected from the outdoor industry and and what was going on here in the United States. But um when I came back and I got reconnected and I was actually out ice climbing and I met one of our our team members Fred and I just ran into him and that doesn't happen <laughs> I mean that had not happened really yeah. Out ice climbing you know and running to another brother who's ice climbing and so I was like yeah what's up you know we met each other and then from walking over here comes another brother who was Manoa and I was like oh wow you know and i realized that they had been connected with another friend of mine, Conrad, and they had been climbing and whatnot. And they threw out that, that, you know, have you guys talked about Everest and it kind of went from there. And then I think a couple of months later, we met Dom and and I, we met, kind of had the conversation, It kind of blossomed. And uh, that that next winter we said, okay, let's get together. The first time we kind of got together as a team in Ure again, the year following. Um, which was kind of January 2020, and, uh, because we wanted to actually go 2021. And so we got together, <clears throat> Dom, Manoa, Fred, Adina, some other folks couldn't make it, but but that was us, you know. And then the other story, so the, the pandemic came, right? We, we've all been on lockdown. Everything got put on hold. During that, the next winter, I went to Ure again. I was in a hotel, had my dog. I went to let the dog in the dog park. In walks another brother, Eddie. What's up? How you doing? You know, oh, what are you doing? Ice climbing. Okay. This ice climbing thing, it attracts us. You know what I'm saying? So (laughs) a month later, a month later, he's in Bozeman. We exchange numbers. He's in Bozeman. He goes and climbs with Manoa. Manoa called me Phil, comrade called me Phil. We met Eddie in, in Montana. I think he'd be a good fit for the team. The next week, Eddie calls me, we get together and we go backcountry skiing together for a day. And I threw the idea at him, you know, we vibe and everything. And so Eddie's on the team, you know, it, and, and there's a couple of other folks, Abby, Rosemary, Rosemary and I. So Rosemary was on Expedition Denali. I was on another expedition at the same time. We shared camp. And so that's when I first met Rosemary. And KG and I go way back in our Knowles days working together at Knowles. And so he was a part of that expedition as well. But I spent time with KG in Kenya.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's a fantastic.
1: You know, wait, and
2: Phil, now this is gonna be like the third continent you did an expedition with Rosemary on.
1: Right. Yeah, it'd be the third, third continent with, with her and I. So yeah, it was Kilimanjaro with Denali, and then we were together in Chile as well, you know. So we're all connected in 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 different ways we're not just all, you know, just people who just can't kind of on the team. Um, We're all connected through one person or another. Yeah, for sure.
0: And with Don, with you being the East Coaster, I think, you know, when I did the research on who was on the team, you're the only East Coast guy. Um, How did it feel when you first uh, met Phil and got connected with some of your other team members?
2: I mean, I have to say I was really surprised I had been climbing and some, I had been doing some sort of climbing, whether it was mountaineering or ice climbing or rock climbing for, you know, 10 years before I had ever met another person, black person playing the sport, um, climbing. And uh, actually, the first black person that I met climbing was Manoa. I met Manoa I knew in uh, Highlight Canyon, Montana, when I was out there on an ice climbing trip. And uh, and we climbed together the first time. Uh, Conrad Anchor, uh, the North Face ambassador, introduced me to Phil, and then I had the pleasure of going out to Ure Ice Fest and climbing with Phil and uh, Fred Campbell and Manoa Anu. It was it was incredible. So for me, especially, I enjoy going out to Highlight Canyon, but you know my stomping grounds are it's the Northeast, it's um, New England. And I've never climbed with another person of color in New England.
0: Yeah, so this is going, this is a, so that was really a, a highlight moment to be able to climb with other people of color.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely.
0: And so, yeah, talk about a little bit, because you alluded earlier that when expeditions come about, they I guess <laughs> they post it, and then if people want to join, then they will join the expedition, but you, you're doing it a little different where you created kind of this team environment. And so, and if that's true, why did you do it that way as opposed to just, okay, I'm going to just, I'm posting an expedition, you know, those that want to join, join. What made you decided to do it this way?
1: It just, it, it naturally happened through another connection. So Conrad really is the, is Conrad Anchor, really is the anchor that that brings all of us. he's He's one of them that brings us really together in a sense, because Conrad gave me an opportunity to, there's a a, a program called the Kumbu Climbing Center where we actually train uh, Nepalese, folks from Nepal, and that are primarily from the Sherpa community in technical skills, okay? So that they're better employees when they're, and better workers and can manage risk greater when they're on the mountain, because they have the the probably the biggest presence on the mountain, okay? So that was in 2006. And so Conrad, I mean I remember when we met and, and he never looked at me like, you know, who are you or whatever. He was like, "Oh, you have some skills and you want to volunteer. You're in." And he recognized right off the bat what I had to offer and the role that I that I could play. And I think he's done that with, you know, three or four of us as well. He's in that position. So Conrad's one of those white dudes that get it, right? And so that was in 2006 and I, I, I've been to Nepal almost every year since then, unless I was out of the country. But then we went on, on um, we were on, on Everest together in 2012. So he provided that opportunity as well. And so I look back to get again, full circle to provide that same opportunity for folks who can now have the opportunity to not have the same experience that I did when I was on Everest being one of, you know, 12 other people being the only Black person there, right? We have the opportunity to do this differently. And for me, no joke, I said it the first time. And and to give you an example, the first Everest expedition was, uh, it was a commemorative expedition put together by the North Face and National Geographic to commemorate the, first, the 50th anniversary of the first American expedition. So I was a part of that team and it included Various people: Hillary O'Neill at the time, um, Conrad, Corey Richards, uh, uh, Mark Jenkins. There's, you know, Sam Elias, Emily Harrington. I mean, everyone, people in the climate community know these names, and I was a part of that group. Five people summited. One person summited with no oxygen. Two people summited two eight thousand meter peaks. I went to Camp Three. For me, that's as high as I had ever gone. But also I got to work with these people from Nepal and these Sherpa people from the Sherpa community who I had been helping train for the past 10, seven, eight years. So to me, I'm like, why would I go back to Everest? Why, just just to try and summit? No, there's no reason for that. I'd go to another mountain. But I always said I'd go back for the right reason. Never knew mm-hmm. what that right reason would be, right? Mm-hmm. So now we fast forward and I have the opportunity to go back for this reason to be, you know, to lead these guys that I've just met through Conrad. <laughs> because while I was out of the country, he was doing the same thing and providing these opportunities for these young climbers, you know? And so it's all about, it's all full circle, that's you know? And it, and the name was already there. It just fits.
2: And so yeah, when
1: we we asked about we. I think we were on a call. We were on a group call, if I'm not mistaken. We asked about a name for it. and I threw it out there, and we threw yeah. some other things out there. But the full circle, that you know, went stuck. So,
0: um, you mentioned something about the Sherpa way, and what is what is that, uh, and why is that so special in regards to, uh, I guess, Mount Everest or climbing? What why is the Sherpa way so important?
1: Well, I'll, I'll put it in kind of in this in the simple way in that okay. um, people from the sherpa community are mistaken and misunderstood. And so when with once you you know you understand and know something about the culture and you realize that you can't call someone a Sherpa. It's like that is their that's their caste of people, that's their culture, right? So if you consider someone who's carrying a, a bag a Sherpa, that's not right, okay? Mm-hmm. That's a porter, okay? But if you are Sherpa, your name is Pasang Lamu Sherpa, okay? So if you are of the Sherpa community, that is basically your last name. It's not just someone who carries, uh, you know, luggage or someone's things for them, that's a porter. But the culture itself is long been in the Himalayas for thousands and thousands of years and when you go to the Himalayas, you realize that this culture lives amongst these, this grand scale of mountains that are bigger than any mountains anywhere else on Earth. And they live in that environment amongst that environment, the way that they have for 1000 of years. And it shows. And in that part of the world, there are no cars, there's no bicycles, there's no, nothing. the only way you get anywhere is to walk. And these people have been walking these hills in these mountains for thousands of years and you feel it. And that's the more time so you spend there, I've spent more time with some of the Sherpa people in Nepal than I have with some of my own family. And I've that's had families, true. I've had family members, my grandmother died when I was there and they treated me as if she was there. Mm. You know, so that, so that my connection, I've had their family members here at my house and my daughters and my wife have been there. So that connection to me is, it's as family, you know? And so, even bringing my brothers and sisters over there, it's like create it's it's you know introducing this, this this you know these family members in a group too because see they know us by one here one there but they don't know us as a group of people either you know
0: that that's fantastic I'm really I'm really hyped about that but thank you thank you for sharing that
1: yeah because uh, that's
0: really uh, that's important uh, to know because we have to it helps us to be connected to yeah. cultures that we don't particularly know and. And it bonds us together in a way yeah. that um, that we just don't do enough of. So yeah. um, let's kind of move to the actual expedition itself. So, and Dom, I'll ask you this question: One, when you realized you were going to be on this uh, this expedition, how long did it take to prepare yourself for it? And what are some of the things that you've had to do to prepare uh, for this? journey that's coming up?
2: Well, well, certainly there's a lot of preparation and a lot of the preparation when it comes to training, conditioning your body is like you want to do a lot of uh, low intensity work over a long duration. Uh, so you expand your endurance. And so I have a training regimen. has been developed by uh, Training Peaks. Uh, this is a website online and uh, it gives me workouts. Uh, low-intensity, long-duration workouts to build my strength and endurance uh, over the next few months to prepare me for the expedition. But for this team, there's also been a lot of preparation for the expedition in terms of even just putting the team together and gaining funding funding for the expedition. So we worked on that for a long time, and and coronavirus came down in the middle of our plans, you know, just as Phil was explaining, and that sort of exploded everything. So when you ask about the preparation for this, this has been in the running for years now, uh, especially because our plans were dropped uh, because coronavirus uh, interrupted everything.
0: Okay. So it's been a couple years in the making uh, in and in primarily from the, the funding side. Yeah. But I guess it's also been a blessing, allowed you to actually get more funding and get the word out a little more uh, yeah. because of that. So,
2: Yeah, I would say now, you know, um, we're stronger than we've ever been uh, in terms of the support that we have and the funding in order to launch this expedition. So we're really fortunate to be in the position that we are right now.
0: Great. Yeah. Uh, any Phil, anything anything addition to add on that? Because you pretty much have been doing this your whole <laughs> life. So, You know,
1: I mean, but, but but Everest is is it really is off the scale. And if you look at you know outside of maybe logistics getting to Antarctica, you know, and some things like that. But Everest really is off the scale of most expeditions, um, because you you have to acclimate, and it's I mean you're on you're living at seventeen thousand feet and above for two months. So mm-hmm. most places, you know, you go to Denali, that's twenty five days. You know, go to Kilimanjaro, it's a week. You know, there's not a lot of places where you have to go that take that long to acclimate and climb. And, yeah, you could probably do a little shorter if you were doing it all the time, but we're not. So, you know, there's a lot of different things there.
0: Right. So to be clear, you can't actually you you can't just step off the plane or when you get there and start climbing. You actually have to acclimate your body and yourself before you start climbing. I have seen a couple of shows that just... just
1: Once you leave town, once you leave the the city, Kathmandu, when you start to to go in the mountains, it's 10 days before you get to base camp.
0: Oh, wow. 10 days. Okay. And then then you kind of have to... And then is it more time before you actually will start the the, the climb? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And so, I mean, in leading to that, will and I'm trying to put it out there, but I, I mean, I have seen show some where a team member or someone that's climbing will get left behind, I think if they can't make it. So is that also going to be the, the strategy or will it be all, you know, one team, one sound? If you all go, you all go as a team. Um, how will that work?
1: No, it's just, it, I mean, that's the, that's the way the land, you know, you can be um, you're a team for sure. Um, but people can get turned around and others keep going. Yeah, um, it, it happens all the time. Um, from, from, from my Everest experience, I've always said it's 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 not when you get sick. It's I mean, it's not if you get sick, it's when you get sick, depending on what that sickness is and, and when it happens. Because if it happens early in the expedition, you have time to get sick and recover and you can still climb. Um, if it happened in the middle, you have a, a choice to make. If it happens towards the end, game over, you know? So things can happen anywhere in there that determine who keeps going and, you know, and and who doesn't. And then that, you know, again, it's all in it. So much of it is a mental game too, you know, because you mm-hmm. can recover or, you know, doing, remembering. I mean, and I, I truly believe that, the you know, going through this pandemic actually Adds to the success of of uh, to the ultimate success of the expedition because people are washing their hands more and these these things that keep you from getting you know GI problems you know so there's there's so much that goes in you know just everyday life but things are kind of elevated in terms of the, the the chances that you can get sick or injured or any of those things and if that happens you're living at seventeen thousand feet you don't recover well. Wow,
0: so just some everyday simple things that may may take you out. And you said GI, right. so I would assume some <laughs> some kind of um, um, intestinal thing, or you know, due to bad food or not washing your hands or what have you, or just exposed with other team members, can yeah. cause you to not be able to finish.
1: Right? Yeah, infection. Um, if you cut yourself, you can get infected. You know, and uh, because you're at seventeen thousand feet, you don't you don't uh, you don't heal well.
0: Well, and I know it's in March. Is it gonna be the beginning of March or the end of March? Towards the end of March.
1: So basically we have all of April, all of May.
0: Oh oh, okay. Yeah. Oh night. And will will you um how will the how will people be able to will they be able to follow it live or how is that gonna work?
1: Oh yeah. Or will well,
0: it, you will you be posting via Instagram or what have you? <laughs> or somehow. Yeah
1: yeah yeah we will definitely be 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 connected somehow no the hope is that um is that you know we'll we'll be doing a a few uh live live you know zoom chats or broadcasts you know google chats or whatever from base camp um really to allow people to engage with us while we're on the mountain because that's possible you know that's that's, that it's easily done these days so um that that's another good part of it you know and we're hoping that we can you know we can get you know school kids to call in and even though there's a you know it, it's kind of a hard for us because there's a time difference so we might have right. to stay up a little late or whatever you know but just to give them the opportunity to you know talk to some mm-hmm. guys who's you know who's you know on mount everest and 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 maybe learn something about you know that part of the world about the culture or something whatever they want right. to ask you know right. so we're really hoping right. to you know to to bring that you know right into the in, into the homes of or or, or you know School, you know, the the classrooms as well. So yeah, I mean that that would be fascinating.
2: When I was in school, I, I would have flipped out to have the opportunity to speak to someone like that. You know, on some extreme expedition like that, you're sitting in class with your classmates, just even trying to imagine what it is that that these people are doing. You know, and people yeah. think it's like like
1: it's, like it's you know on the moon or something. It's like no, it's not. It's like it's, <laughs> it's within your reach. This is within your reach right here. Yeah. You know, I mean, and, and, and that's a great. Place.
0: Yeah. And that's a great segue because one of the debates that I was getting to with my wife before I came here, um, and my son, because he's 18 was about rep basically representation and how you would get passionate, passionate about a sport like this. So a couple questions is one, how did you get passionate about the sport and, um, and then also, what has been kind of the response you've received from young people? Because, of course, I, I was saying is that we get passionate about something when someone brings it to us right. um, and, or show, you know, when you're younger, when it shows it to us in school. It's not just about going, on, going online or YouTube to, <laughs> to research it. Now it's it's much more powerful when someone that looks like us actually presents it to us. So I would yeah. love to hear your comments on that.
1: I mean, I, you know, I mean, I've always I've, I'm 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 an athlete, and that's you know that's one of those things for some people. It's just like, look, if you're already an athlete, you have half the game won. You just haven't been exposed to these things. Okay, you should try it because I'm I'm also uh, I I tell people I have to explain it to them. I'm not a climber. I'm not a um, a, a boater, whatever. I'm an outdoor professional, and so I, I, I had to diversify my skills in order to be able to make a living and to work. And then those things become enjoyment as well. Okay. And so what I've learned is that there are a lot of a lot of these outdoor you know activities you can do, but it's not going to resonate. Not everybody can be a rock climber. Not everybody's going to be able to handle ice climbing. It's too cold, right? Not everybody's going to ski or kayak or canoe or raft mm. or mountain bike or any of these things, but get exposed to all of them or and then get in where you fit in, right? One of them going to resonate and you're going to be comfortable in one spot or whatever, you know, there's and then you just got to try it. So, so much of it is about exposure, mm. but then you don't want to expose yourself a lot of times to look like the guy who don't know what he's doing, right? Or you're, because you, remember you're already fighting that thing that father or your mother told you don't go do that because you're gonna hurt yourself. So now you have all these things that are telling you don't go do it, but yet in your mind you're saying, I want to do it. But then when you see someone look like you that does it, you're like, oh, okay, maybe. Right. And, then, and then your mom's like, mom, look, see? See, it is, <laughs> like, you see what I'm saying? There's so, somebody doing it, yeah. Right. I have I have good friends in you know that have accomplished a lot of things. I have a good friend who does. He doesn't do public speaking or anything like that, and and I understand that it's not who he is as a person. Blah blah blah. But he also has room for that because there are a thousand of him, not him himself, but that are that are doing a lot of these you know these activities and so on that can go talk about it and bring in other people and that 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 interest and so on, right? where in our community, there's only, they're they're not that many of us. And so we don't really have the, I don't feel like we really have the choice to say, no, we have to bring that out into the community and say, hey, no, you can do this too. I've done it, let me help you. So that's really, again, what Full Circle's about. Exactly. You know, later on when the time when we can sit back and go, yeah, you know, y'all do it because because we have that, that that stance in the in the industry you know we we have such a foundation in it where right now we just don't have that and uh put shows you know and podcasts like this and you know talks like this are definitely helping and gonna help and continue to help because you know we now it becomes mainstream we can have this with you know four or five other people in the next year the next year right
0: yeah okay don what about you
1: yeah
2: I came into um, mountaineering. I came into ice climbing and rock climbing through uh, the military, actually. Um, once I, I served in the Army, uh, I was an armor crewman. I was in Iraq in 04 and 05. Afterwards, I was working in a number of different uh, veterans organizations. And one organization that I worked in in Colorado had the opportunity to meet a man by the name of Stacy Bear, and I climbed Gray's Peak by invitation with him, which is a 14,000-foot mountain. That was my first mountain. And I never climbed like that before, um, but while I was in the military, especially because I was in a combat specialty, I had to hike long distances carrying lots of equipment. I had to move across. I had to negotiate terrain features with uh, on a team. And, you know, plan our food out and our schedule out and um, and orient ourselves. So navigate and also make preparations to deal with the weather, inclement weather. So all of the dynamics I understood uh, well and I uh, had some experience with, but I never did it in the civilian context. And because I grew up in Brooklyn, I didn't even know that people really did that. You know, it wasn't even something that ever dawned on me when I was a kid that people, you know, were uh, sort of uh, adventuring in the wilderness like that and that you could learn skills to go and adventure in the wilderness. So the military introduced me to that uh, and then uh, Stacy Bear took me on my first hike as a civilian. And then from there, I continued to climb with the organization that he founded called Veterans Expeditions. And so... um, through that organization, I really fell in love with the mountains, mountaineering, and particularly ice climbing. I guess that was 2009. So since 2009, I've been mountaineering and, and climbing. And uh, and for me, it's also been very therapeutic to just be in nature, to have an excuse to be in nature, to look forward to it, You know, to look forward to the change of the seasons because you know, you know your opportunity to climb or hike this trail or camp in this place is going to come up. You know, um, it's really something that 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 yeah, it it every year it inspires me um, with the change of the seasons. When I what I know it's going to what I know is going to come. You know, it's uh it's almost like looking at your birthday, but it, it comes every season and it's a different game. You know, rock climbing in the summer and in the spring, you know, ice climbing in the winter. Mm. And you know, you get to do some Uh, summit some, you know, alpine uh, peaks like Denali and Kilimanjaro. And, you know, you learn about all these amazing places in the world. And now we have this opportunity through Phil to go to Nepal. Growing up in the inner city in Brooklyn, there's absolutely no way no one that I knew ever did anything like this, right? you know? And so it's just incredible to, you know, to have taken one opportunity, taken one experience and then go to the next thing. And that's one thing that I encourage people all the time is like, and that's a similar thing to what Phil was saying. It's like, you don't know what something's gonna be like and you don't know if you'll like it until you try it. And um, so the first 14er that I, the first 14,000 foot mountain that I did in Colorado with Stacy Bear, he just hey said, hey, you wanna go uh, hiking with me? And I was like, sure. And then next thing you know, you know, we were figuring out how to do this 14,000 peak, 14,000 foot peak, and it changed my life, you know? Uh, and now it's something that, as I said, you know, I look forward to seasonally.
0: Great. And for our novice audience, what is Terrain Features? What What, what is that?
2: So to, when we say Terrain Features, basically what you're talking about are, are all the different um, uh all of the different sort of obstacles on the land that you would have to negotiate, that you would have to travel across. Let's say if you're tr- moving across a ridge. A ridge is a particular sort of terrain feature. If you're moving across, let's say like an inclined plane, and so you know that you're going up in elevation. Well, you know the fact that you're going up in elevation, you're you're moving across a certain terrain feature that has higher elevation. Terrain features are basically like if you look at a map. You're not expecting that all that you see on the map is flat. You're expecting it to have, you know, various uh, differences, characteristics right. of the right. land. And so that's what we're talking about with terrain features, the characteristics of the land.
0: And of course, uh, you have to do that in advance before your hike to make it worthwhile.
2: Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because then you have to know, so then you know what you need to prepare for. You
0: know? Okay. For those people listening. So, you know, you need to know the terrain before you start just walking out there. So that's great. Good to know. And I I just wanted to make sure because, you know, that's part of it. uh, Not just getting out there and doing it, really understanding the language and doing what is necessary or just learning about it before you actually go out and do it, you know, you know how we do. We just like, oh, we think we can just step out there <laughs> and, and know what we're doing. Before and before you know it, yeah. you're uh, stuck, and somebody's got to come get you. You're in trouble,
1: right? So I, you know, it's funny because that's where I look at it. And and you know, you can go out with someone, you know, with someone else, whatever. But if you if you like to recreate, I look at it at three different levels. Recreation. You get out there and you enjoy doing it. You'll go out with somebody, do it, blah blah blah. Okay, you can you enjoy it. Now, what's the next step? You and en- or you just you you may just stay right there, or you're like you know I got a little bit more interest. What's the next step? So then you have, you, you start educating yourself about you know how to read the terrain, how to read a map, uh, you know the different types of uh, techniques if you're ice climbing or rock climbing, whatever. You start to educate yourself about the different activities there can be. Whether there's you're still on a river, but can you kayak, canoe, or get on a raft, or nowadays stand up paddle board and all these other different things that you can do but so there's so many choices of things that you can do and if 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 you like it that much and now you're educated now you're like man I can teach my 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 partner how to do this and then he can do it so now you start teaching people like man I can get paid for this I can actually teach people how to do these things and so you you started just as a recreational person you just like doing it you educated yourself now you're at the to the level where you can now be employed Okay, so there's a whole industry out here of places mm. where people can go. They got to go through steps just like anything else, right? If you want to be whatever it is you want to be an accountant, if you want to be a teacher, whatever it is, you still have to go through these steps. Most people don't know that this industry really exists, and that's just on the activity side. That's mm. not on the on the front side of you know accountants and graphic designers and 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 product designers and you know all of these other things that. It may not fit you from an activity standpoint, but it's still within the outdoor industry that most people don't even know exists. Wow.
0: Yeah, and that's true. And that's true. And I know is it, um, and I know we didn't really touch upon We started to, to talk about it. Is it a, so I know you you guys were, it sounds like you were welcomed. Then you found someone that brought you along
1: yeah.
0: into the, uh, into the sport didn't look at your skin color or anything like that um just saw you as people and brought you in because you had an interest do you think you know going forward or as you know once your expedition is completed and you know you have gotten a lot you know some publicity um to get the story out do you think um the gap where we will get more people of color interested you think that will will close or what will it take for that to
1: happen? You know, it it won't close the gap, no. You know, that's, I mean, I, I've always, I have a lot of analogies about these different things and how things, you know, turn corners and so on and, and whatnot. But and I think it's always been a cruise ship. It's been going that direction. I said this a long time ago, and it takes a cruise ship a long time to turn around and, and start going back the other way because it's big but I really think that that cruise ship is now facing the other direction, but it has no propulsion yet. It has some, but it's not enough to get it moving, you know, in that direction. It's facing it, but it's not moving. And this is one of those, uh, this is yet another engine in that movement, right? There's a lot of other small engines as well, you know, but I mean, and we're just, and I don't mean small in, just small in in what, what draws people, right? So there's a lot of, you know, you look at Outdoor Afro, they're doing wonderful things. You look at Brown Girls Climb, you look at Memphis Rocks, you look at Color of the Crags, you look at uh, Latino Outdoors, Asia Outdoors, all these organizations that are really doing things for their community, they're all part of that propulsion as well, right? Part of that ship is turned around. Um, but Everest is an iconic mountain. That's why we're talking now. If, if this was just, you know, uh, the Grand Tetons with 10 of us, we wouldn't really be, probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you because it doesn't have that same iconic draw worldwide, not let alone nationwide. You know what I mean? Had this been three years ago, maybe we wouldn't be having the same conversation. But it it resonates more now than it would have at, a, at a, any other time, you know. And so we're not closing. We won't close the gap. That's going to take a lot more. That's going to mm. take a lot more to close mm-hmm. the gap. But uh, we're definitely making people aware that uh, that they can be a part of that gap closure as well, you know, and that's what it takes is a lot more participation on our side as well.
0: Okay, great, Dom. Anything extra to add? Yeah,
2: yeah. You know, I, I truly think that the educational piece that uh, Phil mentioned is really important, and um, what's gonna really what's gonna move uh, the numbers toward more people of color getting outside and more people of color being in outdoor sports and more people of color becoming outdoor professionals is going to be uh, expanding outdoor education and access to outdoor education for people. Um, and, and a lot of that's going to take place with the expansion of social capital. And so this is what we're presenting here. It's like, um, you know, this image of, of Black people getting out and normalizing that. Normalizing this image of black people enjoying themselves in the outdoors, um, bl- black people also being in uh, into outdoor sports, and so um, you know, as more people of color get in the outdoors, as more people of color get an outdoor education and learn how to play these outdoor sports, learn how to participate safely, you'll see that you'll see that accelerate. Uh, but that's the first the. That's gonna be the first piece is social capital. Where do you go to learn these things? You know, who do you meet who knows how to do these things? How do we create a network of um, people to 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 make opportunities for you know young people to learn how to get outside?
0: And I'm saying I'm doing my part. I'm out there in the woods every every day to walk my dog, and uh, so and I do think you know, and even just for this show now, I'm I'm really excited. I'm definitely gonna to have to for uh 2022 to go on a hike because um and look we we as people are connected to nature sure and i go. think we were we of course you know been driven from that but we do need to get back to it cuz there is some therapeutic properties that come yeah. with being in nature
1: yeah. uh,
0: that we have to expand so i want to thank you guys for being on the show tonight and before we uh wrap up there's always a question i always ask my the brothers on the show that won't necessarily have to do what we're talking about, but just you as as men. And it's the question is, what are you feeling or what are you feeling as a Black man at this
2: time? Uh, I guess I'll go first. I mean, with reference to this expedition, um, for me, um, Black barbershops have always provided Uh, really important pastimes for me Um, and so I had the opportunity to have a conversation about this expedition at a barbershop a few weeks ago a buddy of mine was cutting my hair and you know a lot a lot of it was all black men in the barbershop and it became a subject matter to, to to talk about and my friend he's he likes to look at climbing he dibs and dabs in climbing but he doesn't really climb and um one person had had asked if um if this was running away from a problem if you go in the mountains is that like running away from a problem and um and i thought that that was a really profound question right because if we're saying that you know getting outside and exercising and enjoying yourself in the outdoors and sharing and sharing uh that in in outdoors and national parks um is that fleeing a problem or is it a way that you flee your problems uh, or is or is it a way that you are solving your problems and so i tend to look at it as the latter uh, That that is solving a problem is solving uh these sort of laps in addressing health shortfalls in our community uh the lapse in you know supporting, you know, mental health in our community. Just being outside in nature mm-hmm. supports our mental health, you know? Um, the Also, you know, there was something that you just said, Keith, this idea that like, you know, black people don't do this or black people don't do that. Or, you know, uh, especially as I said, you know, I grew up in the inner city, I grew up in Brooklyn. And so there was a lot of that sort of prohibitive, prohibitive talk about like what, what Black people do and don't do. And it's like, it's only been within the 20th century that we've even had the, enough technology to separate ourselves from nature, enough to normalize the fact that we aren't out in nature all the time.
1: Mm. You know,
2: prior to, prior to that, we didn't have the technology to talk about ourselves as separate from nature, you know? Like we had to deal with nature nature dealing with nature was the nature of our lives right and so we're more suited to to that to being in nature than not we're more suited to being in the natural environment than we are even in these sort of artificial environments that we built you know um this is why our health suffers from just sitting in these artificial environments mm. that we built we right. need to be outside. We need to be walking. We need to be running and exercising. And as Phil was saying, it doesn't have to be something extreme. It could just be something that you just enjoy. But get outside and exercise, and it it's certainly
1: uh, solving a problem.
0: Great, yeah, yeah, I love it. Phil, what about you,
1: man? I, for me, is everything is all connected. And I'd be, i be real honest and transparent about it. And that I'm, I'm blessed, man. In in so many ways, and just after hearing what Dom said, if I can't even wait till Dom till the winter time, it's going to be winter, in the middle of winter time, so it'll be a little bit different. But what he was just explaining is kind of what I've built for myself. But it's come through hardships of of there's a lot of of sacrifices of not being in your community to get to levels of which you can do. Then Dom and I have talked about these things and. You know, there's a lot of sacrifices we have, you had to make, I had to make to, to be able to do these things. And no, I've always gone home, but at some point you can't go home. You got to go it If you want to, if you want to increase your skills to climb, you got downtime, you got to go climb, you know, but I say that because I'm a black man, I'm 58 years old. I lived through some things and a lot of my partners and homeboys didn't make it. So I'm already in, I'm, I'm, I've already beat some odds that, that are against us in that sense. But I've also been blessed to, to, to have that vision to do something different and then to still be here to be able to share that experiences with my man Dom and the, all my other brothers and sisters on this team. But at the same time during pandemics or when I walk outside, like Dom was just saying, if I could show you what I look at, if I just walk out in the driveway in the morning, I'm at, I can be at peace in where you know here where i live in this on this compound but at the same time we have so much other things going on in our country where i live at when i step outside of that it's not always the same so for me the other thing is that it's it's the same all over again
0: Greg. well i I do have to say that it's been a blessing just to talk to the two of you and it would have been great to have the whole team you know maybe at some other at some other time when you especially maybe when you get back to really get reflections of especially of the other brothers on the team and we, hey maybe we'll have the sisters too because this this is a monumental thing that you guys are doing and I'm really glad that you guys were able to, to come on tonight and for those that have listened um you know even though I have the the link up on the show i will put it in my chat so people can support you know and follow follow this monumental occasion so dom and philip uh thank you for being on tonight really appreciate it hey
1: thank you for having me yeah thanks keith for having us man bless you.
0: yeah what a great show thank you phil and dom for giving us a brief talk about your upcoming journey i can't wait to hear more as they take their ascent upon Mount Everest. And hopefully we will be there to catch them on their way. If not then, especially afterwards. If you want to follow Full Circle Everest or support them, go to fullcircleeverest.com. This team needs all our love and support and they can especially get it from the us brothers. Black Men Speak was written, produced, and edited by me, Keith Dent. Please do something for me. If you are a regular listener to this podcast, please like, share it with at least 10 people, and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If we want people to know our stories, we have to tell it. As you know, I always like to end the show with a quote, and this one comes from Booker T. Washington. Success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. This is Keith Dent from the Black Men Speak podcast. Peace.